Welcome to Big Bear Christian Center Sermon Audio. Join us in part two of our series on heaven. We pray that you'll be richly blessed over the next few weeks, beginning to understand what God really has prepared for those of us who love him. God bless you and thanks for listening. But what a great beginning. And I love that analogy with the rope, this little tiny red section. And eternity is forever and ever and ever. And yet we find ourselves, and I'm included in this, we find ourselves running around doing so much to, to have a great red spot. Doing everything we can when eternity is forever and ever. And last week we, taught, we began a series that we're going to continue for who knows how long. Because this morning I have 19 pages of notes. And I'm still studying the topic. And so we're not going to get through all of them. I'm not even sure how far we're going to get. But going into, you know, this idea of eternity and heaven and what's it all about. I have found, and I think that you would agree that over the last decades, that the idea of heaven has become, is faded away much from, from the idea, the forefront of people's thoughts. Hymns of yesteryear, many of them talked about heaven. We talked about that last week. They they talked about what, how wonderful it's going to be. And, you know, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing it was be. The Bible, the, those who wrote the Bible, the apostles, the disciples, they talked often about the hope of heaven. See, they were in a world that was difficult. And so their hope was on heaven. And, and, and as we have come into an affluent society and had more things uh, available to us, we've really just begun to enjoy this life so much that we kind of forget about heaven. We just go, man, what, what can we do to, to have a better life now? So much that there are those who preach from, from the a main part of their message is God wants to give you a better life now. And you, God's blessings are amazing, and he does bless us, and he does these things, but our focus and goal should not be about on how to get blessed and how to have more here, but how can we take more with us to there? And, and there's even some things that we struggle with in our, our thinking of, you know, the, how we live here also determines what we'll have there and how we'll live there. That it's different. There's rewards and things. And over the next few weeks, we'll talk a little bit about what the Bible has shown us about heaven. And the Bible talks a lot about heaven. There's over 500 verses that really speak specifically about heaven. But we don't hear a lot of messages in the church. And I am loving this study time. I mean, it's just amazing to me. And, and, you know, last night when we had our time of prayer, we had our our monthly, you know, potluck and prayer time. You know, I was sharing and I I got really excited. I'm like, I'm afraid I'm just going to throw up on everyone because there's so much inside of me. You know, it's just like, and so so forgive me, bear with me as, as I try to make sense of this because it's even, Lord, where do we start? See, we also in the church, talking to people, most of us, I believe, are, are believers, and we, we believe in heaven, and we're, we're saved. Do we even understand what that means and where we're going to go? And so I'm going to try to lay some foundations from the Bible of, of what that looks like. What is eternity? I'm going to try to have some definitions that will actually make more sense, that when we say things, they will probably, for some of you, and it was for me, will actually change the way you think about it and have a different understanding even when we say a word like heaven or hell. And so we'll, we'll, we'll go through that. So 
you know, as we start this this topic today, you know, what or where is heaven? And people have so many differing ideas of heaven. You know, just go out and ask people. There's different religions, of course, that have a whole other idea of what heaven and eternity is like. But even with the Christian church, there's different understandings. And, and many of us Christians, I believe, have been formed and fashioned more by what man has said about heaven than what the Bible has said about heaven. And not just man, sometimes pastors. I talked about last week of the pastor who said, I don't like to think about heaven. Heaven scares me. It's going to be boring sitting around floating, playing a harp all the time. This was a pastor. Where did he get this information? But we've bought into it. We've heard it. And it's become part of our belief system. And we don't even know that it's not part of the Bible. You know, well, we got to be very careful because other things come in the exact same way. So we'll find out what the Bible talks about. Um, eternal rest. Some people say, well, heaven's like this, just eternal rest. Um, some people do. They say, well, it's, it's, I don't know exactly, but it's just being in God's presence. Of course, there's some, it's just a big party. You're just great. And other people say, well, hell's just a big party. That's I can't wait to get to hell to be with all my friends. If you've never heard that, I'm surprised. I've, I've heard that many times. And in, in our un- misunderstanding of heaven is clouded. It's John Eldridge, in one of his books, The Journey of Desire, said this. He said, nearly every Christian I have spoken with has some idea that eternity is an unending church service. We have settled on an image of the never-ending sing-along in the sky. One great hymn after another, forever and ever, amen. Right there, some of us want to leave. Our heart sinks, he says. He goes on and says, our heart sinks forever and ever. That's it. That's the good news. And then we sigh and feel guilty that we're not more spiritual. We lose heart and we turn once more to the present to find what life we can. I thought, wow, that's so true. We begin to think of those things. It's like it's hard to understand and comprehend. And, and even other people are just telling us, it's just, it's good. That's all you need to think about it. And, and then we go, yeah, and we're back to here. How can I make my life better? John Calvin, who wrote a lot on theology, wrote very little on heaven. Despite his extensive teachings and everything else, he actually didn't tackle the, the subject of heaven very much. But Charles Spurgeon, who was one of his contemporaries, said this. Listen to this. He says, to come to thee is to come home from exile, to come to land out of the raging storm, to come to rest after long labor, to come to the goal of my desires and the summit of my wishes. Would you say that about your life? Would that characterize how you feel? Wow, just that's everything. My hope, my dreams, everything in me screams out, I want to be with God in heaven. And I think many of us would have a resounding, not me. We've been caught up into this thing, and I believe that God wants us. I, no, I don't believe. Let me change that. We'll scratch that from the recording. I know that God wants us to get out of that and to be more eternity-minded here on earth because eternity we're living in now, and it's going to go on forever and ever. But then we go, well, what's that going to look like over the next few weeks? Hopefully we'll, I can paint a picture of what the Bible says and relieve some of the fears and some of the misconceptions that we've had. You know, when we think about heaven, we go, this is, this is a representation of us. There's a group called the Barner Group, and it's been doing research for many, many, many years on different subjects 
uh, how Christianity affects uh, people, how, what's happening in the world. And so I just wanted to give a couple of, of uh, statistics and things. It's kind of interesting. And in, in, in this study, which was actually, there might be a more recent one. This was in 2003. Um, he says at that point, 81% of the people believe that there was life after death. 81%. I think that that's pretty true. Most people think that there's something. 9% of those said maybe there's life after death. Only 10% said, no, there's nothing. When we die, it's it. So it's inside of us that, that, that there's something more than this life. That's a huge amount of people. He, this isn't Christians. This is everyone. Everyone surveyed. Okay? 76% of those people, this is amazing, believe in heaven. What they would call a heaven. Now, these aren't, again, these aren't Christians, so their understanding of heaven might be different. 71% believe in hell. And the, the ideas of heaven and hell, they differed. 46% of those people believe that heaven is a state of eternal existence in the presence of God, while only 30% believe that it's an actual place of rest and reward where people go after death. So lots of people believe in heaven. Lots and lots of people believe in heaven. 30% believe that it's actually a place. And I found that in the church, there's a lot of people who don't believe that it's a place. They're, they actually, I think it's a state of mind. And we're going to be covering that as, as best as I can in, in the, the books that, that I'm reading and, and, and loving going into this. It's been so encouraging to me. Now, about hell, we're not going to be spending much time talking about hell. We, we tend to do that more than we talk about heaven. Um, 32% believe hell's an actual place of torment and suffering where people go after death that's actually higher did you catch that that's two percent higher than people that think that heaven is an actual place more people believe that hell is an actual place of suffering that people go after death but only one half of one percent believe they're going there one half of one percent they were actually brave enough to say and that's where i'm going As a, a side note, in some of my personal research about heaven and hell, I found that the vast, extreme, extreme vast majority of people n- believe they know somebody who's going to hell. It's just not them. So the research also looks into what people believed about how to reach these destinations. You know, so, well, okay, if there's a heaven, there's a hell, how do you get there? And, and we're not going to go into what the research says, but that'll be part of this series that we give, go in over the next few weeks. So if you're, if you're going to miss any, get onto the website and listen. Um, there's also some great, great material out there. Where I, the book I've been just loving is called Heaven by Randy Alcorn, and it's, it's a, an exhaustive uh, theological study on heaven. Um, of course, I've also got some, some of my you know, theology books and some of my uh, um, you know, commentaries and, and just doing a lot of, a lot of reading and, and coming up, you know, just understanding this topic better. So that's what we're going to be going. So heaven... Eternity at some point in life is on everyone's mind. You know, when you're younger, it's on your mind a lot less. But as you get older, you know, eternity begins to become quite, quite on your mind. When people die, remember that, remember that scene in, in uh, City Slickers after the, the, the boss died and they're riding their horses and, and Billy Crystal so starts talking about death and, you know, that, and they go, Oh, you win. You know, it only took them five minutes to start talking about it. 
But when people die, the conversation of hell, of heaven, of how we're living on earth, it, it comes up. But then we push it back away. But it does come up into our, into our minds and our hearts, but we don't, often don't know what to do with those questions. But it's important what we believe about eternity because that's going to help to guide and guide us as we live on this earth here. J.C. Ryle wrote this. He says, The man who is about to sail for Australia or New Zealand as a settler is naturally anxious to know something about his future home, its climate, its employments, its inhabitants, its ways, its customs. All these are subjects of deep interest to him. You're leaving the land of your nativity, and you're going to spend the rest of your life in a new hemisphere. It would be strange indeed if you did not desire information about your new abode. Now surely, if we hope to dwell forever and ever in that better country, even a heavenly one, we ought to seek all the knowledge we can about it. Before we go to our eternal home, we should try to become acquainted with it. I thought, this is very true. We're, we're going someplace together. We're going to spend eternity. Everyone lives forever, at least exists forever. It's going to be forever with God or forever separated from God. And we should be, well, what is, what's it like? I mean, that, there, there should be hope. Because if we're dreading eternity, then why would we live for eternity? If we're, if we're dreading that, what's the impetus to help bring people to heaven? What's the impetus to, to stay focused and, do, and to live for the Lord on this earth? There's not much there. Jonathan Edwards, he spoke often of heaven. He said this, it becomes, it becomes us to spend this life only as a journey toward heaven, to which we should subordinate all other concerns of life. Why should we labor for our set or set our hearts on anything else but that which is our proper end and true happiness but the problem is i don't think we know enough about heaven to set our hearts on it and so we don't and we and we just it just becomes another thing and so so we want to begin to set our hearts as colossians 3 says i want to read colossians 3 1 through 4 if you want you can go there in your bible i'll i'll reference a number of scriptures you don't have to go there but we'll make notes on the website with these passages too if you go and listen to the message again Colossians 3, starting in verse 1, says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And isn't that wonderful? I mean, set our hearts and our minds, our affections on the things above where Christ is seated. You go, but that's hard because my life here is in such a mess. And we get, we get lost in that. We get lost in the things of, the, of, of this world. You know, immediately after these verses, it tells us how to live on the earth. If you keep reading in Colossians in the next passage, it says, you know, our heart's there, our mind is set on heaven, and because of that's our home, because we'll be with him in glory, which we just kind of, probably breeze by when we read okay great we're going to appear with him in glory next but the next part says this is how you should live because of that we should live like this this heaven should affect the way we live on earth so as we go into this time where we, we want to be enlightened we want to learn more but we don't want just information 
We want to really be transformed by the information that we could understand in a deeper level of who we are, who God created us to be. What was God's initial plan for this earth? You know, I, I really don't believe, and the Bible teaches this, that, that when God created man and he put him in the Garden of Eden and he created a perfect environment, perfect. When man sinned, did he give up on man? He didn't. I don't believe he gave up on the world. In fact, the Bible teaches very clearly that in the end, what we call heaven is earth. Because in Revelation, after the, everything happens, we, and, and we're, I'm going to jump ahead and do it quick and we'll, we'll hit it more slowly. After the thousand years of millennium, millennial reign of Christ, after the white throne judgment, it says that there was a new heaven and a new earth and that the new Jerusalem came down from heaven to the earth, and God said that he will make his dwelling with man. Now in Thessalonians, there's a scripture, and it's talking about the rapture, but it says that we are caught up to be with him in the sky. That's different. Then at the end of times, when everything else is done, it says that the new Jerusalem comes down from heaven and comes here, and that there's a new heaven and earth, and that God makes his dwelling with us, which means our final destination is a new earth. It's not somewhere else. Right there, probably some of you go, I don't even know if he's teaching me out of the Bible. This sounds weird. This is new. And so God redeems the, his people, and he redeems the earth, and he creates a new earth. But I, I don't believe it, the, the word new in the... It talks about a refreshing. It's, it's like it's a renewed, it's a new earth. And that's where we'll spend eternity. So the word heaven, for the time that we're going to be studying, this is what we need to believe, think about as the, as the word heaven. Because even when it's translated from the Greek, it means a high place, an exalt, exalted place. Heaven is really a, the place where God is. And, and we, we could go through a lot of scriptures, and we'll hit some of them. But as we read the Old Testament especially, it talks about heaven is, the, is the, where the throne of God is. Heaven is where God lives. That's his abode. So heaven is a place where God dwells. Okay, so, so if we think about wherever God is, is heaven. In the New Testament, I, I, this is going to maybe be a little, little you know, faster over, over the heads or something. The Bible goes back and forth between two phrases, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. Some of you read that, right? You go, what's the difference between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven? There is none. Because God in his nature is so attached to heaven, his dwelling place, that they just throw back and forth. The kingdom of God is the kingdom of heaven because heaven is the resting place, is the abode of God. So when we say when we die, we go to heaven... That's true, because when as a Christian, when they die, they go to be in the presence of God. But when you die, you don't go to the final resting place. That's way off still, and we're going to talk about that. We'll be in the presence of God, and that, this, this is called, if anyone's taking notes or wants to listen to this later, it's what, what in theology is called the intermediate state, an intermediate place. It's the place that we go when we die, before Christ comes back for us. So when people die, they're actually not going to heaven yet. 
they're going to be in the presence of God. So we'll even find out a little bit about, about the, the eternal final resting place, about the intermediate state. We'll talk a little bit about the thousand-year millennial reign. If it, that, that might be new for you. Like, what is that? Well, that's a time that Christ is going to come down and literally rule and reign on the earth, and we'll be ruling and reigning with him. Some of us. Some. And then at the, after that comes the final judgment, and then eternity and so it's it's exciting so all those things how do they help us here as we begin to discover and actually understand the glory of heaven the glory of being god's presence being heaven what he has in store that it's not boring that that we don't know exactly what it's going to be but there's some pictures that we begin to get an understanding from that it begins to give us hope but in the middle of this world, we have to fight constantly to get outside of the fog and look to heaven. There's a lot of things that vie for our attention. I want to read a little story about a, a woman. Some of you may have known Florence Chadwick. Does that name? Yeah. Some of you, probably some of you older people remember Florence Chadwick. In 1950, she crossed the English Channel in 13 hours and 20 minutes, breaking the current world record. She swam the English Channel and back, I guess what she did. In 1952, she attempted to swim the 26 miles between Catalina Island and the California coastline. Okay, this is, so this would, be, this would have been a, a new thing. And she, she went out there, and, and you know, of course, this is the Pacific Ocean. There's sharks and that. So they actually had boats with her. This is 1952. Record, this is really cool, I think. And she begins to swim, and there's boats with her just in case she, she needed to stop or also to warn her of sharks. And she's swimming, and she's swimming, and she's swimming, and she's getting more tired and more tired. She began to have a conversation. Her mom was actually in one of the boats saying, I can't do it. I can't do it anymore. And she says, you're getting so close to the shore. But see, the fog had rolled in. If you ever been out on the sometimes the fog rolls in, and you can't see in between Catalina and the coast. And the fog had rolled in, and she couldn't see land at all. She had no idea. She was, it was swimming in the right direction, but she didn't know where land was. Finally, she says, I can't do it. And she got into the boat, and she was less than a mile away from the shore. The next day in an interview, the next day in an interview, she said, if the fog wasn't there, if I could have just seen the shore, I think I could have made it. To come so short of your goal, of your destination. Oh, so sad. If we lose sight of heaven and eternity and fall short of it because we can't understand it. Oh, so sad for us. In this life, if we allow the cares and the concerns of the world to block us out where we stop living for God because we can't see eternity well, what a shame for us. We need to have a profound awareness of heaven so we can see through the fog and the fog gets thick it's not that the fog isn't thick the things that come in in our life that distract us that that worry us personally but even worldwide we have all these things even happening today you know the the conflict in the middle east you know we're not ready to call it a war yet right but the conflict what is that going to mean you know terrorist groups ISIS in the Middle East taking over. In the last number of years, we've had hurricanes, 
and tsunamis and earthquakes and, and these things, they all come in and they begin to bring a fog and we, they get us under worry and concern and some of us go, I just don't know if I can make it and we get our eyes off of eternity. We get our eyes off of God. We get our eyes off of the prize and we need to keep putting that back in. Like, like Francis Chan in the video says, we need to strain every nerve. We need to be running, putting our chest forward. We need to break through the tape. It needs to be our goal. Why? Because the rope, the red part on the rope is so incredibly short. As I look around the congregation, I love to see such a mix of, of ages, young and, and older. And, and I'll guarantee you the older people will say, life goes fast. The older you get, even for me, it's wow, this light. It's like amazing how short it actually seems now. But boy, we're working really hard to have a good red part. Also, as you get older, something usually begins to happen and you begin to think more long term. And hopefully that long term goes into eternity. What, what kind of a legacy as I'm leaving? We begin to think of the things here on earth. What am I doing for my children? Am I leaving something more than just house or money? Am I leaving a, a personal legacy? Well, then we can go on beyond that because that's still about, can be about the red part. Am I leaving something that's going to help them for eternity? Have I made a difference in people's lives to help them see that this life is not all there is? And yet, there's a glimpse of God and a glimpse of eternity that's right here. The presence of God, the kingdom of God is now, but it's not fully yet. There's a part of God and his kingdom that we experience, even if it's in a time of worship or, or out in, the na in nature or wherever it might be, even living on this creation because he created this earth and he said it was good. You know, this earth is not bad. And he created people. And he said that they were good. People aren't bad. We're fallen. We're under a curse. And so this, this creation is under a curse, and yet we still see the glory and the goodness in it. You know, church, I want to say that, that eternity, we will, I believe, live, live on a glorified, renewed earth that is better exponentially than this place. And I tell you, when I get outside of the city, when I get into the creation of God, I go, this is awesome. It's going to be awesome. There is so much that's waiting for us, but we have to press through the fog. We have to understand that this world isn't all there is, and we, we can be like Paul, who actually said in Philippians, says, I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. It's better. To, to die and to go be with Christ is better. To be in his presence is better. And that's, that's only in the intermediate state. If Paul would have died, when Paul died, he didn't go to the final place. The Bible's really clear about this point. He went to be in the presence of God. And he says, that's by far better. I can't wait to get to our final destination. Our final destination is going to be amazing. In Corinthians, he said, we're confident. And I, as I say, and I would prefer to be away from the body and to be at home with the Lord. In Thessalonians says, God didn't appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, 
who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another just as you're doing. Comfort each other with this. That doesn't matter if we die or we live. We're going to be with Christ someday in his exact presence. It's wonderful. These scriptures also help us understand, as far as a doctrine, that there is, I don't believe that there's a soul sleep. And, and I used to question it. I used to, well, maybe, maybe, maybe when we die, we just kind of don't exist until we wake up in his presence. And I said, well, that's okay, because when I go to sleep at night and I wake up the next morning, I don't even know how much time has passed. So I'm okay with that. But the Bible is, is clear. It says to be apart from the body is to be with Christ. And that, and that we see even in the end times, before the final end times, that there's the group who's questioning God, question Jesus, how much longer, Lord? How much longer? Well, you don't question the Lord in your sleep. Having a conversation with God shows that when we die, we don't just go to sleep. And there is no purgatory. Purgatory is a, a man-made doctrine. When we die here, we go into the presence of God. And then he'll come back and he'll reign on the earth. And then finally, the last time will be when there's a new heaven and earth. And that's when we finally be there. But I believe it's going to be an adventure the whole time. It's going to be an adventure the whole time. I want to go to 2 Corinthians 12. Starting in verse 2. Paul's writing this and he says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know or whether out of the body I do not know, God knows, such a one was caught up to the third heaven. And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know, God knows, how he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, which it is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such a one I will boast, yet of myself I will not boast except in my infirmities. For though I might desire to boast, I will not be a fool, for I will speak the truth. But I refrain, lest anyone should think of me above what he sees me to be or hears from me. And then in verse 7, it says, Unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that I might depart from me. And the nine says, my grace, God says, my grace is sufficient for you. And so this man we, is Paul. We believe this very strong that this was Paul who was taken up into the third heaven. And the third heaven, he called it paradise. And, and I believe the, the scriptures, even in the wording it uses, that the third heaven is simply the abode, the resting place of God where he dwells. Now, paradise is also the same word that, that was used when Lazarus died. Do you remember when La Lazarus, not, not the other Lazarus, but there was a, a, a beggar, Lazarus, and he went in, into Abraham's bosom and he was in paradise and then there, there was a great chasm between him and on the other side was the wicked dead. Remember that story? That was before Jesus rose. And from, from that, 
from that place when Jesus, in Ephesians, it says that Jesus went to the heart of the earth for three days. That's where he took all the righteous dead and he took them to paradise. Okay, we believe that they're in paradise because Jesus on the cross, when he died, what did he tell the, the thief next to him? Today, you'll be with me in paradise. So paradise is not synonymous for heaven, but in the sense that, that heaven being the final resting place, paradise is the term that we understand is that's where we go when we die before the resurrection. That's where we die. That's where we go before we come and we live forever on the new earth. So paradise. And so Paul's saying he got caught up into paradise and he can't even describe it. And he says, I don't know if I was in the flesh or not. It was so real that he couldn't tell if he had a body. If actually his whole body was thrust there or not, he doesn't even know. Now, what would you say if you had a really, really, really vivid dream? The next morning, you say, I had a dream and boy, it seemed real. But within five minutes, you go, but I know it wasn't. Right? You don't go around later on going, this thing happened last night, and it, I might have been real. And I was like flying and stuff. It's, at some point, reality comes in. It was so real that Paul honestly does not know. Why does he use the word body? Because there's a, a doctrine in the point that we'll, we'll be making. When we die, our body stays here temporarily. We go to be in the presence of God in paradise. At the resurrection, our body is resurrected a new body. And we will live forever with God in a body and a spirit. Okay? Where, but where Paul went, I believe that he saw bodies already. I believe that when we go to paradise, I, I think that we are going to have a temporary dwelling made by the Lord. And Paul went, he says, this is so real. My body was there, and I, this is amazing. And he says, but, but it's not about me being so good that I got this revelation, but this revelation must have been important for me to have so that I could give it to you. It's about the revelation. It wasn't about Paul being special. We say, man, I wish that happened to me. We do, I do. I have. Man, I wish I had something like that. But I think my heart is because that would make me feel really special. If God gave me a revelation like that, and so what is the next thing that God does? Just to keep you in place, Paul, I'm going to give you a thorn in your flesh. This isn't about you. It's about the revelation that I want to give to you because eternity is the Spirit of God puts eternity in our hearts and you have to have a revelation that this is real and it's so good that it's inexpressible. Thank you, God, for giving that to Paul. This is amazing what's waiting for us and that's just the next step. I mean, I don't want to be so crass as to think this, but if, if I was on a plane and I was going over to, I don't know, somewhere really, really nice. I, I can't even think. I've never been to Hawaii. I'll say for Hawaii. I don't even think Hawaii's pretty cool. But, but let's say I was, I was in New York, and, and there they built a new airport in Beverly Hills. But I'm going to Hawaii, and I'm going to lay over in Beverly Hills. And so he says, where are you going? 
I wouldn't say I'm going to Beverly Hills. I'm going, I'm going to Hawaii. The layover is just a temporary spot. Paradise is a temporary spot. It's just a layover stop until we get to our final destination, which is really, really good. But here's amazing. Paradise was so good that it was inexpressible, and he couldn't talk about it. He's in the presence of God, and I get excited. And I think, you know, I'm, we've been missing it. We've been looking so much about this earth and just helping people muddle through each day. And, you know, people don't want to hear about heaven because it's really, it's not practical. And if you talk too much about heaven, people are going to say, you're so heavenly-minded that you're no earthly good. And you've got to help me today on this earth because I've got to get through my problems and my trials. And yeah, let's just keep looking at the fog. No, let's let the fog be removed and begin to see that there is something way beyond this that helps us live straight, that helps us get there and get there well because it says that we're laying up treasures in heaven. And there's a doctrine that I have taken part of. There's a, not a doctrine, but a belief and a way of thinking that I think we need to just get rid of it because I believe it's not from God, it's from the enemy, yet it seems like it's of God. Oh, I don't care if I get any treasures in heaven. Just getting there is good enough for me. If it was good enough for God to just get you there, he wouldn't have told you there were treasures. He wouldn't have told you there were crowns. He wouldn't say to live a certain way and that you'll be rewarded for the things you do on this earth. If it wasn't important to God, he wouldn't have said it. If it's important to God, it needs to be important to us. That he says, live your life this way. Store up treasures in heaven. Build for yourself there where moth doesn't destroy, where it doesn't rust away. Build permanently. But so many people live like, I've just got to get to the finish line and that's going to be good enough for me. God wants us to live more powerfully and make a difference in this world. And, you know, if you're dragging along towards the finish line, how many people are going, going, that's the life for me? Man, it looks so good. I'm going I'm I'm to crawl just like them. But when you have your, your sights, if we can get our sights, begin to say, this world is a garbage can compared to what God has for us. And our relationships and all the things that are so wonderful here is nothing compared to the glory that waits us. And we begin to get our eyes fixed on eternity and not on here. We're going to begin to run. Because we're going up the hill and we see it. And we can finally do it with strength. And just knowing that if you've ever raced, if you've ever done anything, when you get close to the finish line, when you, it's like, you can do it. But if you don't know that there's a good place after the finish line, then why continue? Just like our swimmer, just like Florence, she just, she couldn't see it and she gave up. It's so important that we understand that, that heaven, the being the presence of God is is good and these things are waiting for us. That the Bible is going to, over the next few weeks, it's going to teach us uh, what, what that resurrection looks like, what the intermediate state looks like, that the, some of the questions that we've had, will be, I believe, are answered in reading the passages. Knowing that this subject is important to God to, to dedicate whole, entire chapters of the New Testament to eternity. Now, we, we, talk, we like to talk a lot about the second coming and, and the tribulation and the rapture. But all those things are just 
the methodology and the things that have to happen to get us finally to the end. I want to know about the end. I want, I, I want, to, I want to really be confident and go, man, I don't want to miss that. And that's something that I can look forward to because in the times that it's really, really hard here, we set our affection on things above. We set our hearts on, on the eternal and saying, you know, I'm not going to give up. There's a, there's a reward, there's a righteous crown for us awaiting those who will persevere. This is going to be a long series. <laughs> wow, I'm not, I, we need to stop there. Let us leave even in this hope, in this hope, wow, God, how could we have as a, Imagine going to work every day, every day. And the working conditions, some days are okay and some days are horrible and some days maybe you're good. And nobody ever talked about the paycheck. Some, most of you would stop working. You know, we live this life and we, we stop talking about the paycheck. And God said, what are you doing? I got a paycheck for you. I've got a reward. It's something coming. Endure. Father, help us. Help us to see eternity. God, help us to, to begin to understand that whether it's good or difficult on this earth, that this is not all there is. And that you prepared something that's glorious. That even over the next few weeks, we'll, we'll get into and we'll begin to see some of the things that you've revealed to us through your spirit, through the word. And we'll begin to maybe get a better handle on what heaven has. But God, begin to even get us excited and get us anxious to, to see that and to look for it in hope. God, help us to, to recognize maybe things that have come in, teachings and beliefs that make us feel selfish if we are thinking about laying a treasure up in heaven. God, I believe that was from the enemy. Because everything that we lay up here has eternal value. So God, help us to understand that you put this in place and that there's a reason and it's going to be that, that others will also see your glory. And God, and that we'll get through this life in, in a joyful expectation of the future. Minister to each one today, everyone listening to this message, whether it's online or here. Change our heart. Help us to become eternity, eternally minded looking for our glorious hope and knowing that it is glorious and that it's real. Father, we thank you so much for the journey that we'll take together. And one day, we'll take the final journey and we'll be together, not just in paradise, but in eternal life, living, reigning, and ruling with you. In Jesus' name, amen.